Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Momming, and we have a very special guest today, Amy Stone. Welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. So my name is Amy Stone, which you already said, so I just repeated it. Um, but my name is Amy Stone and I am a life coach. I work with step parents and adults and blended families. I am a wife. Um, I am a stepmom. I am a mom. I'm also a step grandparent. Like I just say grandma, but step grandparent. So those are some of the things that I am. Um, and that's what I do. Very cool. So um, I would imagine that as a step parent, that that's how you got involved in being a coach for the blended families. It is now. So my stepkids are grown. Okay. So they were eight and four when I met them, nine and 12 when we got married. Um, and then the, I did not start st coaching until they were adults. So I always share with people, I share all kinds of things, uh, with people. And there's a big part of my coaching practice, um, or the building of my coaching practice and my philosophy, which involved me going back to my husband and my stepkids and my kids and be like, Hey, how do you remember this happening? Cause the truth is at the time I wasn't documenting it or thinking, oh, someday I'll tell somebody this story or, oh, gee, I'm so good at this. I was really just trying to make it from one moment to the next. And that's really one of the reasons I share freely so many of my ridiculous stories about foibles and mistakes that I now can see that I made. Yeah. And, and we don't know that there are mistakes while we're making them or, or we wouldn't be making them. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I just wrote that down. There's that famous, um, quote, from my Angelou, when you, you know, do the best you can do the best, you know, do as, do as well as you can. Oh, see, it's so famous. I can't think how it goes, but it's like, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Right. And uh -huh. one of the reasons, and I hope that anybody who's listening will forgive me for messing it up because I didn't get it exactly right. But one of the things that I love so much about that message is that for me, it gives me a way to say, to be great to give myself grace and compassion for the fact that I am not getting it right when I don't know better, you know, so I couldn't have done any better. I didn't know any better and I, you can't do any better until you know better. And so for me, I love that message. It's like, as long as you are open to always learning and improving and you can be, cause that's an important part of my being happy with my life is just really honoring that the younger version of me didn't mm -hmm. know all this stuff. Yeah. And I've used that in, in coaching calls with, um, with clients where they were very upset about with their own mom for not 
knowing the stuff that she just learned right yeah. now and I'm like so you're mad at her for not knowing what you just learned <laughs> yeah <laughs> when no, she didn't have really access hard. to the internet like you do <laughs> it's really you know our relationships with our parents are really um complicated and one of the things that so I'm 48 um and so and my dad passed away about 14 years ago and my mom um is you know in her 80s but one of the things that's so interesting to me is as i hit the milestones that i can remember them hitting mm. my relationship with what happened and how they did things does change right so um specifically watching kids become teenagers because i can remember what i was like as a teenager like i don't remember what i was like when i was five or six but i can remember what i was like when i was a teenager i thought i was delightful i was not as it turns out and i didn't realize that until i saw my stepkids and my kids go through their teenage years and and see what a little twat i had been but i just thought i was fine i just totally mm -hmm. thought i was fine and it made me want to do things like apologize to my parents like go back and be like oh i'm so sorry yeah yeah my my son's in in preteen land and um there's there's sometimes that he just he'll you know gets the attitude and and most of the time I let it slide in a way that I nobody would have let it slide if I was the one with the attitude but I understand that you know the attitude comes from you know, he's in a bad mood, he's tired, he's frustrated with some, I've interrupted something. And I just gently remind him like, Hey, that's not how you talk to people. And right. especially not your mom. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. I try and be patient with my teens. Um, and each of the four kids has been a slightly different personality. The oldest was really challenging. And I knew the least. Then the youngest is also a boundary pusher. Um, and the ones in between were pretty, were a little bit more easygoing, but a lot of it depends on our mood, you know? So if, <laughs> if I'm driving somewhere and I'm lost, you know, I'm stressed and the radio's on and the, you know, people are honking and whatever. And some teenager gives me attitude. I might just check, you know, with all the training in the world, I might be like, I, I, you know, um, mm -hmm. But then you can you can make up for it and uh, and move from there. It's it's it is very good when we can give them grace and allow them that space to be themselves. How so? He's a pre-teen, so he's eleven, ten. 10. Oh, you are just starting. You are just starting. You are just starting. It's yeah. um, it's a wild ride as a parent. Um, and uh, it's it's fun. It's definitely fun. Um. They, I, all, all four of my kids have simultaneous, it's like they go through this bridge where they are simultaneously very small people and they treasure, they, they want you to open their juice boxes and do things for them and cook their meals. And they also want to be treated like they're 25 years old. Like, oh, I should be able to go do this. And you're like, what planet are you on? That's not, you can't have both of these things, you know? <laughs> exactly. And the, this topic of blended families is, you know, uh, near to me and probably at least 50% of the people that listen just because yeah. of the divorce rate and whatnot. Um, but my, I grew up with a blended family and now I'm living in a blended family again. And, and it's, you know, I, I look back fondly about how I behaved as well. It's funny yeah. that you said that. And I was like, Oh, if I look back fondly, was I, was it not at that good? <laughs> 
Oh yeah. I, I would love to go back and be able to see it through my, through my parents' eyes. I really, really would because, um, and you'll have to like in four or five years, if your son begins to behave like you did and it, it sort of mirrors back, like, so I had several moments where I was, so one of the earliest is a stepmom because it is stronger. I will say with my daughter and my son, cause they look more like me feature wise, mm-hmm. but when I was newly married and my stepdaughter was 13, she had a, like a teenage meltdown where she, her grandparents did, were over for dinner and we wanted her to stay for dinner. This is not a highly controversial like family moment, right? And she wanted to go do something with her friends, right? And as a new, you may have had an experience like this as a teenager, like her social engagement, her desire, I don't even remember what she wanted to do. Let's say she wanted to go to the mall, right? Mm-hmm. For her, it felt like it was the most important thing in the entire, life is ending. You clearly hate me because you won't allow me to do this, right? And this became like World War Three in our living room. And I remember at the time, actually, because I was younger and I had the distance from the situation because I was a stepmom, I remember trying to tell my husband, I'm being like, hey, you know, do, do you remember what this feels like when you're a teenager? It's really important. Like, I think we'd all rather she went to the mall instead of having World War Three in her living room. Right. And still, though, at the same time, my husband was like in it, you know, now you've got to be here. And it just is like so wild to see it because I can remember doing that with my, with my father and be like, you clearly hate me, my life is over if I don't get to go to this thing. And it's so obviously not over. It's so obvious not over as an adult. It's so obviously not an important thing. So it is a really, really wild thing to watch, watch them behave and remember how we behaved. And then just think to, it's one of those I don't know. Do you like cringe comedy like the office where they, they mm-hmm. tell the jokes that make you cringe? So I have trouble with that. I don't love it. Like I can see the humor, but I'll change the channel real quick. Cause it, when I get that feeling of cringy and that's what it's like to watch our kids like go through their adolescent years. Cause it's like, Oh gosh, don't do it. You know, I know, I know, I, you're gonna, I know right. how you feel and it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> exactly. I know you're going to be miserable, but please don't. Okay. You're going to do it anyway. Go for it. You know, like that's exactly, that's, that's how, that's how it is. Yeah. When I was, um, so I, my, my son has started sneaking stuff Mm -hmm. and we catch him. Uh, they're not very good at it. Yeah. Yeah, They're not very (laughs) good at it. That's, it's, it's really funny. Yeah. I was like, we wouldn't know that he was doing it if, if we weren't catching him obviously. But, um, so, you know, and, and he's, he's homesick today and on Tuesday, what's today Thursday today is Thursday (laughs) um on uh on Wednesday morning well I think on Tuesday he said that he he wasn't feeling good and and we sent him to school and then on Wednesday he's like it was more obvious that he wasn't feeling good but I was still kind of drilling him like are you like is there something that you're just not you know telling it like is something going on are you just trying to avoid this like what's going you know and but I was like, okay, you can stay home, but no electronics. Right. So that, you know, just that was the real test. <laughs> That's always the test. You can stay home, but you can't sit on the couch. And if they're like, okay, okay, yeah. fine, I'll go to school. No. Um, so he ended up spiking a fever uh, later. Um, but um, we were 
when he spiked the fever, I said, hey, listen, I want you to understand every child on the existence of this planet has lied and said, I don't feel good in order to not go to school. Oh, so it's yeah. not that I don't believe you. It's that I, you have to deal with the fact that every other kid has made, told that lie, including you said you, he admitted that he had done it once too. And he said, well, you can just believe me. And I said, well, I believe you 95% of the time, but 5% yeah. of the time you do sneaky things. So I have to, you know, balance it. That's definitely one of the things Like I thought I was a very sneaky teenager and I got caught a lot, right? I got caught a lot and I didn't quite understand how my dad had been so good at catching me until I was an adult. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're terrible at this. Like they're terrible at this. They're so much louder than they think they are. They, you know, they're just, they're really bad liars. And when they start, they do get better. They do get better. And then there's a crazy point of adulting young adults where most of us go through a thing. It's like, well, I'm not sure I really want to know, you know, exactly mm -hmm. what's going on. So it's okay. You, you know, that's your space. And I'm talking about older teenagers who are doing like adult things like 18, 19, 20. But, um, you know, it's like, okay, you're on your time with, you know, whoever is your partner. I, I don't need to know all the details for that. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I do. So when my, which one of the kids, one, there are, there were a bunch of kids running around my house. I think they were about nine years old, really a time when you are trying to tell secrets, but you don't know what secrets are and you're not very good at being sneaky. Mm hmm and this whole, and they weren't, and the things you're trying to get away with are not even often like, so stay home from school. That's a real thing. But sometimes at nine and 10, they're trying to get away with stuff. That's not even needing to be a secret. That's the funniest part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this little group of boys, I forget who it was. Anyway, they were in the yard running around the house, but for some reason they were coming in and out of the house through a window instead of the door. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like, what is going on? And so as a result of this, because I knew they were all there. I did not understand it, but there were leaves and dirt and stuff coming through the, through the thing. And, they, and one of them was like, well, so-and-so is sneaking out the window. And I was like, he's not sneaking out the window because everybody knows he's going out the window. Like, what is this? It's the middle of the day. So yeah. I remember talking to this little group of boys and being like, here's the door. Please just use the door. Like, please, what? Like, please stop with the window. The, I don't know. They're not very good. At it. <laughs> like, why do you, why do you feel the need to, to sneak around? And like, right. Let's build you a out. secret it's fort. Fine. If you want to have a secret, we'll build you, leave the window out of it. <laughs> right. I do remember as, uh, uh, in the one time I got in, I, I really didn't get in trouble a lot in high school. Like my, there was, my dad was a pastor. So there was the stereotype of you're either an angel or not and yeah. I was I knew I wasn't an angel but I was really trying hard to to be that you know perfect child and um so I had uh agreed to babysit and mm -hmm. um without re realizing that a friend of mine had made plans with uh with all of we had a group of like five of us and this friend was insistent that I be there because I said I would be there. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just find somebody else to babysit and then problem solved. And that was a great idea. I just didn't tell the parents oh, gosh. somebody else to babysit. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like this all day thing with church 
and you know there was the past the my dad was the associate pastor so it was the senior pastor's kids and the music director's kids and yeah. so they were gone all day and there was two different babysitting shifts so the parents didn't know until they got home that this stranger was um watching their kids you know she was a teenager just like me 16 years old or whatnot yeah they so probably I, were a little bit surprised I got in a lot of trouble for for that and I at the time I I didn't really understand the problem as a parent I understand the problem I yeah like, I I covered the responsibility yeah. like you know so um, that was like the biggest getting in trouble when I was a teenager. Um, my It's a really hard thing for kids that think about you have to tell people when you make changes, you know, you have to communicate it. It's a really, really hard concept to deal with. And it's also one of those places where, where adults, including a lot of adults who should know, like teachers and counselors and coaches, they don't often catch where the mistake is. So they'll come down real hard with a consequence or, and they won't say like, so the really, really good adults in this situation, they'll start with a question like, Hey, why did you do this? Like, what were you thinking? Like what was going on? And then they give you a chance to do it. And they're like, Oh, you know what? You should have told us, or you should have come and asked us first. Right. And then they go from that. And, um, and I, cause it is, it's just a total block on the kid's part. They're like, I solved the problem. Nobody will, nobody will know I've not done anything wrong. Why would anybody be upset? And then the adults are like, oh my gosh, how could you possibly ever, you know, do this? This is ridiculous. We didn't know it was a stranger. You never told anybody. And the kid is like, I don't understand. Like, what's going on? Like, why is everybody so mad? Mm -hmm. That was, that was me. <laughs> yeah, no, I see. Yeah, no, I see it play out over and over and over again. And, um, and, and it also adults do it to each other too. Like, so um spouses will do it to each other they'll be like oh I'm gonna try and fix this without telling anybody there's a problem it's like okay listen <laughs> if you forgot the chicken nuggets at the grocery store maybe just say you forgot the chicken nuggets instead of trying to like you know make up some story or pretend it didn't happen or my personal favorite you never asked me to get the chicken nuggets I didn't do it, you know <laughs> deflect the blame deflect <laughs> deflect ignore right <laughs> yeah humans are so interesting and <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that you think and this might be a really hard question to answer but is there like a one mis biggest mistake that ha that happens inside a blended family oh gosh I don't know if I can do one I, I mean okay so I when I started this I came up with a list of like 10 things that I thought that um and like I, that I thought that I had probably learned over 20 years of being a blended family. So I usually start with the 10, but one of, I'll give you, I'll try and give you one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that everything sort of came back to over and over again, that was a surprise over and over is that when I was a new stepmom, um, first of all, I always admit like I was what we call a child-free stepmom. I didn't have kids. So I seriously did not know anything about children. I thought I did based on being a kid and I was wrong. Um, I was wrong about that. I was really, really wrong and I didn't know it. But um, one of the things that has surprised, that just surprised me over and over again is how I always would think that it would, this was somebody else's doing, right? Like, so like if there was unhappiness in my life, it was because of um, the way the ex-wife was behaving or, and actually I should say, like, I, I'm pretty lucky when it comes to my husband's ex-wife. Um, so like, but it, you know, or the kids, if the kids would behave better, if they would be quieter, if they would eat more vegetables, whatever was on my mind at the time. 
um, or, you know, my mother-in-law or whatever it was that it was always, if somebody else did something that then I would be better off and time after time, after time, maybe I'm really stubborn. Maybe I'm a very slow learner. It always has come back to understanding how I'm motivated, understanding how I'm experiencing things, learning more about myself and how I want to, how I am interacting with the world and my family and how I want to, um, and every time I would do that, every time when I, I would, you know, be like, oh, okay, fine, fine, it's on me. What do I want to do? Then things would get better. Um, and I've had to learn that. I probably am still learning it in lots of different ways. But so that that would be one thing if that's a, if that's a thing I can share. The interesting thing about that is that we do that with just about everything in our lives where we like personal responsibility is like this four letter word. Yeah. And it's. But when I was introduced, because it's very like children are very much like, you know, that person's at fault because if they would be different, then I would be fine. That's right. And so it's if you would just stop crying, then I would feel better. Yeah. And, <laughs> Which actually and, sometimes is true. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say this. sometimes when the baby stops crying, you're just like, oh my God, thank you. Right. <laughs> but it's very, um, it is kind of a childish thought process that we don't really grow out of where it's everybody else's fault for how I'm feeling and yeah. we use it on, it's in our language it's in it's in everything but when I learned the the concept of personal responsibility there was so much freedom inside you know this is my part yeah. of this situation yeah First though, did it scare you a little bit? Like sometimes when I, like, I mean, sometimes when people begin to think about personal responsibility, it can feel like a really heavy thing. Like, oh, is it all on me then? Like, am I the only one? Like it can feel like a really, really heavy thing. Mm -hmm. And then as you step through it and you realize you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm only in charge of me, then that means all this other stuff is like totally not my job. Mm-hmm. totally not my job and you can back off and you know and th- there are big words that people put on that like disengagement and detachment and um and uh, and then and it's hard it's mm-hmm. it's hard especially parenting with kids and step parenting with kids because you know it is it is in our space it's very hard to be in a very messy situation and be like okay the only thing i can do right now is yeah. is what i can do yeah, and I've, I've, I'm definitely not perfect at the personal responsibility because a lot of times my first thought is, you know, oh, he's getting that from his dad, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, yeah. And know, the it, more serious things that are going on, the harder it can be. Like it's it's definitely an instinct. Um, you know, if the kid is just, you know, making up a little story or whatever, um, you know, that's going to pass or wants to go to the mall and is upset. Um, but the more serious things that can happen in families, you know, like, you know, big level conflict. And we do see these in, in blended families. There is, um, so I know you were a part of blended family and you're a part of blended family. Now there's often a reason that the earlier marriage or partnership didn't stay together. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those can be very, very serious things. And mm-hmm. so those cause very, very serious, like conflict in the family, like high level conflict. And a lot of times, if you're a genuine, nurturing, loving person, you will have a reaction that you're like, you know, what needs to happen here is I need to buckle down and fix this. 
Like I need to hustle and get involved. And if I can just do all the work, then I can, I can fix this situation. And that is a road to burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was fortunate enough in my, um, growing up that both my dad and mom, I don't ever remember them fighting in front of us. If they fought, I, I have no idea. My mom was always very, um, diligent about making sure that we sent father's day cards and birthday cards and, and that we, we did. And, you know, they had an arrangement that was very fair of this. We get, if you get us on Thanksgiving, then we get you on, on Christmas. And it was just, there was a lot of just respect inside the relationships. Um, Really good it's it, it and I would imagine kind of rare um Hopefully and I've, not, but... oh, <laughs> I I just know that I felt blessed oh yeah other stories of, of yeah. families and and splitting up and and I've never been a step parent to a child that lived in the home yeah so um I don't really know the struggle of being a stepmom and being the other parent. Right. That's not the parents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I have tremendous amount of respect for my boyfriend who's, you know, stepped into that role and, and for anyone that steps into that role. Cause I, I did date someone where he had, you know, half 50% custody of his daughter. And it was really difficult to care about a child that I didn't really have a say in yes. her life. And I disagreed with so many things that I was like, I just, I can't, I can't stay in the relationship. It's too difficult to, to be in. And, um, I mean, she was a five-year-old little girl that wasn't in school and barely spoke and yeah like education I think is that super is, uh, important to yeah. me I think that that probably if you were to survey and there's I don't know that there's any data on this but my guess would be that if you were to survey step parents um specifically step moms that what you just described is probably the number one thing that people experience so the frustration of feeling deeply for a small child um, who you have affection for and yet being in a role where you don't have decision authority and final authority about things that you think are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really tough thing in part because you're in the house because there are lots of other people who have that similar situation. Um, and this is where I looked to for resources when I started saying, okay, if I want to teach this, who really knows how to do this? But teachers go through this um, where they have kids in their classroom that they care about, but they can't actually impact anything that's happening at the house. Um, Social workers, definitely guardians, um, nurses, things like that. Anybody who's working as a caretaker, right? Adoptive parents, that's one of the best resources for this, right? Because they foster parents where it's a temporary situation, right? So there are people who advise on how to compartmentalize and set up the boundaries in the lanes so that you can do it if you so desire, right? And also on the flip side to make the decision like you did, where it's like, Hey, this is important to me and this is not okay with me. And so it's not a relationship for me. 
Um, but yeah, they, we call that, um, so the lingo, the difference in parenting styles and priorities. So right. like, you know, it, like, so yours is a, like education, not having a five-year-old in school. That's something that you would hope you didn't see very often, but a very common one is the priority of homework in early education, mm -hmm. which some people just don't prioritize. Like, so you might really have somebody who's like, no, I don't want to do homework in kindergarten. And another person is like, no, homework needs to be done every day, four o'clock right after school. And th that can turn into a pretty big fight between, um, between parents and co-parents. Um, or another one is bedtime, right? Sometimes step parents or parents that are part-time custodian um, custody where they don't, they're more likely to be lenient on bedtime because they feel like they, I only get these hours. Mm -hmm. I only get these hours. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other person, you know, for any variety of reason might be very, you know, strict on bedtimes. I was, I always thought I would be a very forgiving parent on bedtimes because I had always wanted to stay up later as a child. And it turned out that, um, that was not the case. I ran a very tight <laughs> ship with a routine and it was like, all right, it is five 30. That means it in the bath. Here we go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, you know, my son's bedtime was eight o'clock or whatever it was at the time. And, and when he would go to his dad's house, it was always on vacation, you know, where he, he'd have a whole week with, with, um, with him and no school and whatnot. And so, um, you know, he, I remember one time where he said to our son, like, don't tell mom that I let you stay up as late as you want, or I let you stay up till 10 or whatever the thing was. And I was significantly more upset by don't tell mom than yeah. I was by whatever, whatever the bedtime was. Cause my, I, I believe my house, my rules, your house, your rules. And that that's fine there's lots of things that he did that I didn't agree with but it's it's his house and yeah. it's not enough if it was every weekend maybe I would want to you know involve invest in having a conversation about like hey let's kind of be on the same page here yeah. um, but um, because it was you know mostly on vacations um, it it wasn't that big of a deal like yeah you get dad's house is the fun place. Like you get to do yeah. some more fun things over there. And um. that sounds like the thing that, um, the thing that I try and tell people is I say, you know, respect the previous relationship. Um, mm -hmm. my, I, like, I actually sometimes use the word honor, which is like, just honor that there's, you know, somebody else and, um, and honor that they've got their own priorities and preferences. Right. So, sometimes and this would you know so I have no idea why your husband didn't want to want you to know right but sometimes it can be helpful to be like why would he have done it so like because you you know you didn't actually you weren't going to care you weren't going to make a scene out of it but maybe he was apprehensive that he didn't want to have the fight with you I'm um, sure he thought that I would be more right. stickler because he had bedtime at my house and exactly exactly and that did your son at the time did he think it was fantastic that he had a secret I mean, he came home and told me, so. Yeah, we used to, so with, um, with our stepkids, we, I remember there was a time where they started playing the parents against each other, my husband and his ex-wife. And so there was a whole United family thing where it was like, we would all, we were making a point to tell everybody that everybody knew all the data and they were like surprised. They were like, you talked to mom. 
that's a thing that happens, you know, and it was really funny. So there's a bunch of ways to do that. You don't want, you know, but there are also, and, and luckily that was about something that you were pretty reasonable about because um, sometimes there are really destructive things that parents are trying to keep from the other house and there are safety issues and safety concerns. And one of the things that does make that really complicated is what you said, like when it is happening in another house where you don't live and you are not in charge, there really, really is a point where it's like, wow, I can't actually do anything about this. Like, and that can be a really scary place to be. Yeah. That's that. I, that is very frustrating when, at least from my perspective uh, as the step parent where I didn't have any control of, of none the rules and what was happening. And, and, um, and if she and I had had a better relationship, I might've approached it who I am now, if that was a relationship that I wanted to continue would have had that, um, that conversation. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in. And, and this summer we had a, a situation where, um, I'm, I'm carrying twins for, as a surrogate, and um, wow <laughs> and, that's exciting yeah it's it's has its moments of being fun and other moments where it's not and um but early in in summer uh june and july i i spent like a month in bed because nausea was so um amazing and um my son got into full day night reversal because oh, I wow. was making sure he was in bed and we didn't care if he took his phone home to bed with him and so he I learned that he was in day night reversal when I woke up at five one morning he goes hi mom and I'm like what <laughs> oh okay um and then he'd sleep he slept all day um so he he was gonna go to a week to spend with his dad and then he was going to come home from that week to um, go to camp and he can't be in day night reversal when he's at camp <laughs> right and so I you know sent his dad a text and I said I don't want to tell you what to do with with him while he's there however he's going from your house to camp and he's currently in day night reversal so it would be beneficial to him if you would help get him back on track um, to be regular <laughs> sleeping yeah. regular. and he said oh not a problem there's no way he can sleep through the day like we work and you know blah blah so it was it was nice to have this co-parenting moment that was yeah drama free <laughs> oh it's so good it's so yeah. good I so co-parenting you know obviously that we use that to refer to like when you're doing parenting things that a parent you're no longer connected to through marriage or whatever but I like to think of it as just parenting right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's people parenting together because those same things can happen in a house when everybody's still married and still live there, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, um, and, uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just parenting. We don't magically agree with each other because we live in the same house. Touché. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we did? It would be so amazing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, good. That very good point. And, um, I want to have like a 15 hour conversation with you about this because <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's so much information about, um, you know, the blended mm -hmm. families and that we don't, we don't have a lot of resources. I, I, I know. Okay. That's I was going to say, I haven't sucks. done any research. No, 
<laughs> it's absolutely so. And I, like I said, like I proceeded into being a stepmom, not knowing anything about what I was doing. My parents were divorced, so I didn't think much about it. I didn't have a lot of prejudgment about it, which turns out to be lucky, right? Because that is a, a a block where some people come into it with like some preconceived notions of it being wrong or unnatural. And I didn't actually have those, although they're really, really common. I just mostly was clueless. And I fumbled my way through taking whatever resources I could get. Um, and I am a researcher by nature. <laughs> so people would give me one one little book and I would go through and read all of the other books. I really thought that if I learned enough, I would be able to do it right, um, which doesn't turn out to be true. But the um, there aren't very many resources. So it is a really, really interesting thing because you mentioned that we estimate that 50 to 70% of kids in the United States have some sort of blend in their family. And there's a billion different reasons. Like, you know, it can be divorce. People can be widowed. There, People may not, parents may never have been married. You know, like there's a bunch of different reasons this happens, right? It's like totally not an unusual thing. And yet when you look at resources for families and children, if you go to the bookstore and you look at families, it's all about like, you know, first time marriages and first time kids and, you know, it, in little tiny young children. There are no books, very, very few books that are for step parents and people who are getting there's divorce books. There's like a, a whole section of divorce books. There's like an unbelievable amount of resources. And the resources that are there are very very problem driven. There's a book out there that's called um, Step Monster, I think is what it's called, although I might be wrong about that. In the first couple pages of this book, which I did not read, thank God, while I was a new stepmom, <laughs> it says it says that being a step parent is the perfect storm for clinical depression. This is in the opening pages. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God somebody didn't tell me that when I was a new stepmom. I would have gone running out the door. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's like, it's really, really interesting. Um, I did um, back to school season, right? You don't ever see a Target commercial that's like, hey, you may want to buy two backpacks so that you don't have to fight about this for nine months. You may want to buy two ice packs for the lunchbox so that everybody has one. That's not on any school supply list anywhere. And it impacts half the families of the world. It's like, it's like the, it's a really interesting thing that we don't offer more support for the parents who are going through this. So when is your book coming out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a really like what well, I like. It would I have to calm down so I'm not so ranty before I do right. it. <laughs> hey, the sometimes the best books come from rant, like just like bleh, and then yeah. like, rein it in. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see. We will totally see. It's like I love yeah. the idea of writing a book, but then when I get when it um, when it when I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's a really big project. So. <laughs> I'm a writer by nature. So that's like my first thought process is like, okay, where if there is no book, like, and I have the thoughts on it, like, then let me do the book. So I am writing a book about surrogacy because from the surrogate's perspective, because from what I'm, what I've seen is there's only surrogate books from the parent's perspective. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. so, interesting. I'm like, well, I've done it four times. I think I'm an expert. Um, 
<laughs> I would, I think so. I wonder, I have, I really have no information about that, but I wonder, I mean, do people do it a lot? Like, is it something that people will repeat? Like once a person who is a successful surrogate would tend to do it more than once? I'd say it depends on the experience they have. Depends on the experience. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yep. I was not a big fan of being, uh, being pregnant. So it would never, it would like, if somebody had said, do you want to do this? I would be like, you know, no, but <laughs> Let me tell you all the reasons that's not happening. <laughs> right. And that would have been my answer. I would have been like, ooh, that sounds like a lot, a lot, a lot of yeah. fun, actually. So I'm going to let you take that offer to somebody else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like ready to do it even before I had kids, which is harder. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can I imagine have that. The opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. is there a piece of advice that you want to share with moms? So the piece of advice that I would share with moms is, and we've touched on so many great things today. And I know that like, I, like, so the piece of my advice that I would share with moms all the time is to be forgiving with yourself that it's okay when you don't know things, right? Like, so that we have this like amazing amount of pressure that we magically are supposed to know <laughs> these things, you know, these things. And yet there are billions of times in the adulting journey where I have realized, I mean, I have not been keeping track. So, but just like billions and billions where I realized that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And we're all going through that. And it's terrifying to realize, but it's also very freeing because with a second you like allow yourself to be like, geez, I do not know how to do this math problem. And I've never seen this book. That's when you can be like, all right, well, what, what are my choices then? You know, like, what can I do next? And now there's so many resources yes. uh, that, that we have available to us that, you know, when my boyfriend and I talk about, you know, how there's no, um, <laughs> there's our sick kid. Um, you know, when, when my boyfriend and I talk about how there is no, um, thank you, sweetheart. There's no parenting book. There's no manual. There's no manual. You know, he's like, yeah, but there's like 68,000 parenting books. And I'm like, that that's true. And my son was probably eight before I read one. Um, yeah. know, it's like there, it, That is a very good point. Yeah, that is a very good point. And a lot of the parenting books, interestingly, um, are wonderful. So I'm going to say something that's critical of parenting books, but mm-hmm. I don't actually mean it as like an overall thing. But a lot of parenting books are with one specific model of parenting in mind. So like you will read a book on conscious parenting or positive parenting. And the problem that can be there is that it, it, it sounds great, right? Positive parenting sounds fabulous. Like I want to be a positive parent. I want to be a conscious parent. Let me tell you something in the middle of a tantrum with a three-year-old. I forget. I forget. I I totally forget. And the, the, you know, it's just one model that one person puts together and we can use it to weaponize it against ourselves, right? It's like, oh, I wasn't able to get on the level of my kid and, you know, and help them express it. That's okay. This was one moment in your kid's life and you were standing in the target losing your shit. It's totally fine. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's going to move on. Forgive yourself, forgive your kid, hug him, buy a, you know, treat for everybody involved and, and, and move on to the next thing. You know, and so that's, that's the one thing that I think is, you know, is, is, is really, there's like trust that you don't know. The other thing is not everything works for the same, the same for everybody. Like, so I read 
uh, like, so putting babies to sleep, right. Is a super controversial parenting thing, mm-hmm. but really it's just like different things for different people, right? Like you've got one kid who will only sleep in a swing, you know, and the, some other parent will be like, no, you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't allow them to do that. Well, maybe that's just the way the kid sleeps. You know, maybe the kid has reflux or whatever. You just don't know, right? We don't know. Um, and so, I don't know. The more I learn about the different types of parents and the different types of families, the more forgiving and understanding I am for the variety of different ways we do things, which leads me back to like, you know, forgive yourself if you learn something different later and and be open to the fact that you didn't necessarily know it or it wasn't perfect or maybe your experience is just different. So, I mean, I've never been a surrogate right Mm -hmm. ever right I've never walked that and so you've had all those millions of experiences in that role that I would never even think to even question or understand for me to like try and tell you the right way to do it or to share anything other than like interest seems kind of weird but we do that with parents all the time don't we like it's like it's like it's like oh so I live in Miami Florida when my daughter was a baby there was a lady at the park it was like 85 degrees there was this sweet, wonderful, charming neighbor of mine that was at the park. And she was very concerned that I did not have a hat, socks, and a blanket on this baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I was there, like sweating in that way that you do when you've just grown a human being in your body and like you just you're oozing sweat at all times of the day mm-hmm. and the tropical humidity. I was thinking to myself, how in the world? would I cover this baby right now with like a blanket and a hat, you know, like, are you oh, kidding yeah. me? But I, know, hear, whatever. I do. I hear that a lot, which is funny. And I, I remember I was pregnant with my son and it was November and I was wearing a dress and it was cold. Um, and it was to other people. Right. <laughs> I had a heater, a built-in heater uh, strapped to me. Um, and somebody at the gas station was like, you know, it's winter, right? And I'm like, do you see the thing? That's- right. <laughs> that- Thank you for your feedback. Thanks. Thank you for sharing your opinion with me. <laughs> I didn't know how to say that when I was um, younger. I did not know how to say that to people. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for the the people who were kind to me and didn't do that. I, I once got uh, just reduced to tears by an old lady in an elevator in a, pro- in a parking garage. And I still think back to the person who showed up and walked me through that. And I'm just really, really thankful because it's, it's a really hard journey. Um, being a step parent or parent is a really, really hard journey. And so being kind to each other and being kind to ourselves is, is so key and it can be so hard. It can be so hard. Absolutely. Is there a book that's been instrumental in your personal development journey? Yes. So I love to read. You said you were a writer. So I'll share the book that I would say that I is the one I always recommend to parents um, is by Mark Mason. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Beep. Um, and okay, so it's not actually a parenting book, right? It's a book right. about um, disengaging and being detached. And I think it's fabulous. Like it really, really is helpful. It's very entertaining. He records his own audiobook. Mm-hmm. So if you have Amazon Prime in that, there's that. At the moment, I'm also I'm rereading. So this happens to be on my desk. I didn't do this on purpose. Mm-hmm. So this is um, The Art of Happiness, which mm-hmm. is um, by the Dalai Lama. And I read it when I was in college and I'm reading it again. Um, and my teenager is making fun of me. He's like, what are you doing? Read a book about happiness. Um, but I, it's got, it's, it's helpful. Happiness is a weird thing to strive for, right? When you think yeah. about it, like it feels oh. like it should just be in automatic, right? So to think about why are we happy and why are we not? Um. And then the other one that I think is 
that also is on my desk. So I'll give you three. There's, um, this is uh, Radical Acceptance um, mm. by Tara Brock. And she's a Buddhist, so it's got some spiritualism in it, um, which may not jibe for everybody. But it's fascinating to have somebody walk you through the process of acceptance because as a parent, and I guess I'll reference this to you're about to have a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, accepting that the people in our lives are going to be their own individuals mm. is really sometimes hard. You know, it's like, it's like, all right, so if you stay up late, you're going to be tired tomorrow. So you need to go to bed, right? Because you're going to be tired. And teenagers are like, I hear you and I'm not listening. Right. <laughs> and you're like, and then you have to deal with the fact that you have a tired teenager the next day. Yeah. And, and then multiply that out over a hundred different decisions and just being like, Hey, I accept, I radically accept that I can't physically force you to go to sleep as much as I would like to come in and lecture you about this for another 30 minutes. So it's a, it's a, it's a powerful concept, um, that, uh, that can be helpful. Yeah. I, I love that. And I've read one of the three books. So which uh, the one about happiness? The first or, one. No, no the one. subtle yeah. art of not giving a fuck. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Did you do you think it's entertaining? I, I listened to it and it's very yeah. funny. And uh I I remember that there was something he said that was really profound, but I don't remember what it was now. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go back and listen to it again. Um, I think he does a good job with the audiobook. Like I've read yeah. it and then I listened to it on a road trip and I, I remember laughing is the thing. Oh, and so, and I think it's too. nice because it's not written for parents and it's not written for families. And so I think that makes it more um, approachable maybe is the way it is. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, you know, it can, you can really apply it um, and take the lessons. And it's it also, it sounds like it's going to be so like, it's just such a crazy title. Like, it's like, how could right. you not like this? <laughs> right. Exactly. Where can our listeners find you? All right. So my name is Amy Stone, right? We've talked about that a couple of times, but you may have forgotten. Um, and the name of my business is Amy Says So, which is a spin on the parental thing because I say so. So Amy Says So is my website, amysaysso.com. That's where I put um, all of the things I have. I have lots of free resources that I try and offer people. Um, And so if you go to amysaysso.com, there will be a variety of them throwing themselves in your face saying, come have this free thing. And, um, And that will put you on my email list where I give you all sorts of wonderful information. Awesome. I really enjoyed having you on the episode and, um, like I said, I would talk to you for another 15 hours. So I might have to have you come back because this one hour time limit that I have is just not okay with me. (laughs) (laughs) I've loved our conversation and I loved getting to know you today and I would be happy to come back at any time. Awesome. Well, we'll have another episode of Imperfect Momming for you next week. And until then, keep healing. Bye guys. Thank you for tuning in to Imperfect Mommying. It's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A-L-Y-O-N-S dot com. See you next time.